The following content is intended for a mature audience. The views and opinions expressed are those of the host and do not reflect any other organization, employer, or company. The Drunk Files makes no guarantee of accuracy of information. Some may find the content offensive. Listener discretion is strongly advised. We're going to do a shot. Oh, yeah. Yours is right there. Oh, my. Oh. Yours is right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're plastic glasses, so you won't hear the cheers. Cheers, there guys. There we go. Careful clink, of the equipment. Clinky, clink. Ew. Zoe. I know you want some fireball, but I'm salivating. Oh, that was good. All right. How do you feel? Oh, mine are hard now. I told you when you do a show, your nipples get hard. Oh, it really does happen. That never happened before. That's the first time. I feel like you're lying. You just didn't notice until I told you. Well, we can all cut glass now. (laughs) (laughs) Not even cold in here. Drunk Files 2.0. 2.0. 2.0. Where three Canadian friends drink too much and they chat some spooky stories, peeps. 2.0. The peeps was a little added extra there. Oh. How are you feeling, Maria? I am feeling quite dandy. Uh, spicy? spicy? I'm feeling spicy. Some fireball. Lots of fireball. Red wine. Lots of pizza. We made the best pizza. Wow, it was really good, and I think it was like a 100% team effort because there was no way I could have done that without you guys. It was really, really romantic. It was amazing. We all held ten hands. 10 out of 10. Just kidding. He can't make pizzas like that. Who? Who? I said we all held hands. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who can't make pizza? Who can't? Who? We're like... I want the hot gossip. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Tell me. Tell me. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I'm Maria. I'm Jamie. I'm Ellen. And I'm We're the drunk girls. Oh, we are the drunk girls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so drunk. Yeah. We, um, this is the episode directly after time travel. <laughs> the last one. <laughs> the last one that you just listened to. We took a break. Perhaps. We we'll took a ba- yeah, we took a break ate and a ate lot pizza. of pizza. We got the itis. Pizza-itis? Pizza-itis. Pizza-itis. That's gross. Well, that's sounds. disgusting. I don't like If this means you're sleepy after you eat, you guys. Come on. It's yeah, not that it bad. Okay. okay. Head out of the gutter. <laughs> you know me. I can't. <laughs> um. So this week, well, we're just going to do something a little different. Uh, we Ooh. just thought that, you know... Episode after we already do an episode, we're having a slumber party. It'd probably be a little, you know, intense. It's hard to do the, the research. It it's hard to concentrate two in a row. Like, yeah. really, really concentrate, yeah, you know? Yeah, it really is. So, as some of you may know, there is a show called Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. hmm mm-hmm. Big fan. Big fan. Uh, and we thought it would be funny to just, you know, pick an episode we liked and just chat yeah. about it and because it it's, it's right up our alley you know what i mean and some of them 
brings us back to the unsolved days. The old yeah. unsolved days. Back when we were and unsolved. I feel like we're still unsolved all we the are. time. We are most of the time. We don't really know what we are, but we're mine here. Do- mine don't exist, I guess, because they're <laughs> fake. I have a cute little surprise. I did do some fun facts for this. You oh, did? did? I did fun facts about the old unsolved mysteries. Okay. Take you back. I'm excited. So, the OG Unsolved Mysteries. When William Catterson mysteriously disappeared in 1982, he left behind a wife and two children. After two years, the case was closed, and the family lost hope that they would ever see Catterson again. Until Terry Dunn Muir? Terry Dunn Muir? Muir. Yeah, that's what I said. Muir. Muir. Okay. Who knows? Say it with confidence. Until Terry Dunmere aired the case, a part of HBO's Missing Persons, four true stories. The missing man happened to catch the episode that featured his disappearance and later turned himself in, saying he'd faked the disappearance. He was reunited with his family, and Muir was inspired to create Unsolved Mysteries as a way for viewers to help solve cases. Wow, that's cool. That's pretty cool, cool, man. Yeah. The fun facts are all pretty long, but they're kind of crazy. I'm into it. All right. Over 260 cases have been solved thanks to the series. Wow, really? Let's just say I read this fun fact and it didn't make sense. Okay. Because the next part said, the series covered over 1,000 cases over its various incarnations across the four networks. Over half the episodes, which is the part that doesn't make sense, involving fugitives have been solved. Because if there was that would be like cases, 500. that'd be 500, not 260. So I don't know. Unless they did multiple episodes on it the also same says cases. Involving fugitives. So they might have. Uh, I think there was a lot of like. Um, other ones. Yeah, like UFO. Yeah, so. involving. Okay, that makes sense. Scratching so Zoe in the good spot. Lucky Choir was a segment that told the story of a church choir that met every Wednesday to practice at exactly 7.25 p.m. The one exception was the Wednesday when all the members were late to the church and narrowly avoided their church blowing up at 7.27 p.m. The Why producer, were they all late? I don't know. I didn't. That doesn't make sense. They. I don't know. Maybe it That's was sketchy, conspiracy. Yeah. I don't know. The producers of Unsolved Mysteries selected a church ready for demolition in Nebraska to represent the church in question, and they positioned five cameras around it. And the special effects director blew it up with 75 sticks of dynamite and three 10-gallon tubs of gasoline creating a huge fireball. Can oh, you shit. imagine if, yeah. like, they missed that on camera? Yeah, like, can you <laughs> well, imagine that? five. One of them's yeah. got to get oh, it. That'd be funny. <laughs> oh. That's crazy. It's crazy that... Oh. Nice. Nice. Matthew McConaughey was given his first professional acting gig, appearing shirtless, by the way. Oh. In a season five episode of Unsolved Mysteries, where he played a victim, Edward Bell. Thanks to his appearance, two weeks after the episode aired, authorities apprehended Bell. Wow. Interesting. That's special. Matthew. 
My old Matthew. Good old Matty. Good old Matty, Matt. Oh my god, a sweet spot for Matthew McConaughey. Me too, I love that guy. He's an love him, in, love him. You know, he's an interstellar guy. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I might be drunk, but I still got them in me. That, that was good. Thanks, guys. Some of the episodes of the series went into the supernatural and paranormal side of things. While the subject matter was entertaining, people with the stories of abductions or ghosts... Didn't always want to be interviewed about their encounters. You know what I'm saying? Like, they were worried that their stories would invite ridicule. Well, they were skeptical about appearing on the series. However, as the producers informed them, the more compelling and articulate their evidence, the more the viewers would be intrigued. Hmm, The Netflix reboot only features one UFO episode, and it expects to have a lot fewer supernatural episodes in general that kind of sucks because those are the ones that i like those are the ones that i like yes crime is cool but there's a lot of crime and there's not a lot of aliens crime happens a lot and it's always like really fucked up and oh i kind of like the aliens because i can be like that might not be true yeah Yeah. doesn't scare me as much (laughs) so this is my last one the tip line is still active (coughs) when the (laughs) seat <laughs> the tip line is still active. <laughs> it is. <laughs> when the series first debuted, Stack always appealed to viewers to the ring of the Unsolved Mysteries call center or to send letters to the producers. Eventually, they were directed towards a website set up for the express purpose of fielding the information. After Spike TV's final interpretation in 2008, Netflix rebooted the series in 2020, as we all know, Mm because that's what the episode is about, referring viewers to the website and a text line. So it has been continuously up and running, allowing viewers a portal to send their tips and clues. And it's helped solve a bunch of cases. That's really crazy. I like that it's they really advertise great. Them. I like that they advertise that too because it does help and gets the word out there. And you know, someone someone saw something. Mm-hmm. I agree. In most of those, yep. Imagine how more people Ready. could have probably seen that as well. Ready. Ready. Yeah, <sighs> that's it. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. So who wants to go first? I can go first. It's up to you. You went first last time. Yes, you wanted to go first. I can go first. You wanted to go first. You go first first either. I mean, I never go first. You can go first. I'll go second. You can go first if you want to. Okay, mine kind of sucks, so I'll just get it out of the way. It doesn't suck. The story is really interesting, and there's a lot of shit that goes on in it, and you should definitely watch the episode, but my research on it was just, like, pretty slack because I was really busy, and I just didn't get the time to do it. It's called life. Guys. Life got in the way today. And this or podcast yesterday. is fun and not stressful. So sometimes so our research is good and sometimes we have short stories. Yeah. Not short stories. I mean like short stories. I know what you mean. Okay. <laughs> it's like it's not <laughs> Yeah, sometimes we have some sometimes one person good in this group and tells others- really stupid fucking <laughs> shitty short stories no, and like so good. sometimes they're like stupid, like <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. It's Bitch, gonna, it's cool. Not I know I'm good. <laughs> That's not what I'm 
<laughs> came out. I was like, oh, moving shit. on, moving on. Look at this bullying. I'm just gonna get right into it. <gasps> Rudy's purring in the microphone. That's a little bit of Rudy for you guys. <laughs> this is the sweetest. Okay. <laughs> so, the episode that I decided to do was the first one of the first season. It's called Mystery on the Rooftop. Down, down, this down. one is so unexpected. It's actually really, really crazy, and you should totally watch the episode because I'm not going to do it justice. And I feel bad because it's crazy. So, it investigates the strange 2006 death of Ray Rivera. The Netflix synopsis says. The body of newlywed Ray Rivera was found in, aban- in an abandoned conference room at Baltimore's historic Belvedere Hotel in May 2006, eight days after he disappeared. While the Baltimore police maintained that the 32-year-old committed suicide by jumping from the hotel's roof, the medical examiner declared Ray's death as unexplained. Many, including his devastated wife, Allison, suspect foul play. If you already watched the episode... You know how crazy this case is, but I can give you a better summary than just the Netflix thing, because that's a little teaser. Yeah. Just a little yeah. tease. <laughs> Ray and Allison Rivera moved to Baltimore after Ray's longtime friend, Porter Sansbury, offered him a job writing financial newsletters. On May 16th, 2006, after Allison left Baltimore for a business trip, later she called Ray on the phone, but he didn't answer so that night, Allison called her colleague, Claudia, who was staying at her house in Baltimore. Claudia told Allison that around 6.30 p.m., Ray was on the receiving end of a phone call that led him to running out of the house in, like, a oh, really yeah. big hurry. And then he never returned. Didn't he say mm. he forgot something or he had to do something? He something? didn't say anything. No, yeah, he she just kind just of, heard like, him she leave. heard him on the phone and he, like, basically sounded panicked and was like, oh, shit, okay, and, like, ran out the door. Oh. Like something had happened and he was just like, I gotta go. Jesus Christ. Just your microphone. It didn't do anything to you. Sorry. (laughs) Wow. You're doing great. I don't know what you're talking about earlier. This is like spot on to the episode. All right. It's just really short. Who cares? (laughs) Okay. So a frantic Allison came home in search for Ray. And on May 22nd, Ray's car was found behind the building, behind a building near the Belvedere Hotel. And Stan Sansbury and Associates, where he worked with his friend, was like nearby. So it wasn't like weird that he was around that area, you know. A parking ticket confirmed that the car had been there for six days. Next, a couple of Ray's co-workers noticed a hole in the roof of the Belvedere Hotel. And then, sadly, the body of Ray Rivera had been located in the conference room, right where that hole was in the hotel. So how did Ray get through the hole? Did he jump? Was he pushed? Was it murder? Suicide? A psychotic break? It seemed essentially impossible that Ray, who was afraid of heights and wearing flip-flops, could run and then, like, jump off the roof because it was, like, 40 feet out or 45 feet out, which is kind of impossible, especially wearing flip-flops. Yeah. Adding confusion, Ray's cell phone was found near the hole in working order with no cracks and same with his glasses. What? Yeah, Yeah, something would be broken. So I have like a bullet point of things that are weird with this case that we can chat about. (laughs) 
All right. All right. I know, Jamie, you haven't. Well, you know it. I kind of like, I think I watched it when I was drunk, but like, yeah. surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. Classic. Also, I have um, really low attention span, so I tend to zone out. Same. So I, I don't know a bunch, So, but this will be interesting. But I'll tell you all the cool points. So, Ray's flip-flops were found on the roof, one broken and one with like a drag mark on it. And they were pretty fresh. On a, With a drag mark? Well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Flip-flops drag. Yeah. Yeah, but was he drug? That's burn well, marks almost. I think so. Ray's money clip, which was an engraved wedding gift from Allison that he always carried with him, never found. Like a really prized. That's it's like weird, something that he always would have had, had it. And she yeah, didn't have it at In the home. series, his brother and his wife and everybody was like, this is something like, it has his ID, it has his money, it has all of his shit. Like he would. It's oh, like yeah. basically his wallet. Like yeah. you wouldn't. But it's like also really special to him because his wife gave it to him. Yeah. Um, the way Ray's shins were broken were inconsistent with the fall. So it's like he had broken shins and then he was thrown off the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, the rooftop camera had suspiciously been disconnected on the evening that he died. Of course yeah. it had been. That's fucking. That's, that's, like it would. Fucking. Yeah. Yeah, of course. That's the only would. thing that we could like, like figure out what like actually happened. That would. Yeah, no, seriously. The day Ray went missing, he wrote a cryptic note that Allison found taped to a computer that includes a list of names, movies, and a quote from the Freemasons. Ray was an aspiring writer and director, so that could explain some of the note, but, like, it's weird that he, like, taped it back to his computer, and in the series, his wife is, like... Yeah, that's just weird. she's she's tripped out because she's like there's a lot of significant names on there and I understand everything that he wrote down but I don't understand like the order that he wrote it down and like significant people are missing in the list of names of like people that he knows and it's it's super weird. That's very strange. Oh, <laughs> I was confused. I was like, what's that bottle? Sh- Maria's taking her contacts out. <laughs> Burns. Oh. Burns. I know, I need you guys to talk, though, because I don't really have much else. I'm almost done. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Keep going. My eyes are on fire. Okay. The phone call Ray received that led him to quickly running out of his house came from Sansbury and Associates, which is where he worked. So they think it was but Porter, they couldn't right? put like a witch line in that fucking big old building. Yeah, it was. According to the episode, Sansbury and Associates put a gag out order on all their employees mere hours after his body was found. So they can't talk. They no. can't talk. They lawyered up like instantly when the body was found. This okay. guy's supposed to be his friend too. Yeah, like that's very, fucked up. Very like close like close friends, friends from like way 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 back when. Like. They, they were like high school polo. together. Yeah, water polo. You got that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He seems sketchy. That's not. If you were found, had jumped off, supposedly 
jumped off a roof of a building, I'd be like, everybody in this motherfucking office is talking, and we're gonna figure out what the fuck happened. Yeah, this is bullshit. This is crazy. Yeah, like it just like also doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no. The the weird thing, if like in the episode, is his wife is always like the police just totally wrote it off as a suicide, like right from the get go. And you know when they do that, and then that's like they don't go back on it. Yeah, once they make a call, they're not going to say that they were wrong. But the, the like, no. cause of death was not. That's fucked up. Mm. Soft. That's soft. <laughs> soft. That's soft. Yeah. The SEC previously filed fraud charges against Sansbury, and according to Allison, one of Ray's responsibility at work was to help clean up his friend's reputation. Hmm. Coincidence. His wife said um, two weeks before he died, something was worrying him. And then the night before he went missing, the Rivera's house alarm went off at 1 a.m. Allison started telling the TV show. Yeah, I got <laughs> word this. Those people. Producers. <laughs> yeah, those invisible people we don't see. How frantic. <laughs> Ray ran outside that night with a bat. Like, he was, like, super worried. Um, the police said it was a squirrel, which that's squirrels are always outside and raccoons and shit. That's not a thing. Oh, it was a squirrel. (laughs) I don't think so. The next day, the alarm went off and the window had like seemed to be tampered with like someone was trying to break into their house. Hmm. Yeah. It's just uh, that's what happened. (laughs) Yeah. Like. It just doesn't make any sense. That the only one thing, was one of the ones that didn't really didn't make sense. The, most the only thing that makes sense to me is that something happened with that company, or he like yeah joined a secret society. Yeah, because he was super into on. that. Or maybe his well, friend yeah, knew like that he was into sense. secret societies, decided to trick him into like being like, "You need to come here now because you're going to join the secret society." And then they fucked him up and staged his death. That's yeah. suicide. Yeah, I just came up with that now, but no, I think that possible. that makes sense because, because if they're... he if he was his good friend, he would know that he was into secret societies yeah. and stuff like that. And like if he started sending him like secret e- like emails messages. or like messages or something to be like, "Hey, come here at this time," or like get that yeah, phone true. call, he would it's be true. like, "Oh my god, I'm fucking going." Yeah, I don't Dude, know. It makes no sense. I smell guilt. I smell guilt there. All right. Something you talk to authorities. If that was any one of my friends, a hundred percent, I'd talk to police and tell them everything yeah, I know about. Literally you everything I knew. I'd be figure like, out what happened to you. Fucking figure out what happened to my best friend. Yeah. So that was also mysterious. Sketchy. Sketchy. <laughs> yeah, that was a good way for them to start out the series for sure. That was a good way for them to yeah. start off. This. That got me into it because yeah, I watched that same. and I was like, "Fuck, that man, this is episode. crazy." Um, I'll go next. Go ahead. Sure. Um, I did the episode of the Berkshires UFO, one of my personal faves. I first watched this with Ellen, like, we watched it really kind of drunk. We also hadn't seen each other because we had been in lockdown. Yeah, from lockdown. It was one of the first times. So we also didn't really watch it that much because we were were laughing and (laughs) trying to catch up. (laughs) All these things. Yeah, so um, I also I rewatched it last night. Really, <laughs> I rewatched it 
with yeah. Sean. But I like I did more. remember stuff. It was just like, oh yeah, like, yeah right, that's happened. Like anyway. So basically it's just um kind of based on September first, nineteen sixty nine. Um when everybody experienced the same sort of UFO sighting, if you will. Mm. Um so it starts off with that remember that sweet old lady like Jane Green, she's like the one that starts it off, and she's oh, she, she is like, sweet. She's, she's really wearing sweet. green. Isn't she is. She is wearing green. Oh my god! Wow, great. <laughs> oh my god! Good. Hi, buddy. Good memory. Um. Anyway, oh she experienced the same thing that like her later on her sons would. They hadn't like said anything to each other. Like they didn't tell each other that that's what they had seen. And then later they were both like, well, "Why didn't you that's tell me?" The and they were like, "You part. didn't tell me." Like anyway, so Jane Green. Well, she I exper- would tell you guys. Well, I would tell you guys. Oh, well, you'd be the first ones I'd tell, I think. But it, UFO <laughs> sighting. It was a bunch of people, wasn't it? That were just they like, No, they experienced the same fucking thing. Like, but they didn't tell anybody. No, because they were like, this is, I, I mean, want to sound people, crazy. Yeah, some people told some people, but then they were like, people, yeah, like, you know, people treated them weird and were like, oh, you're a freak. Because you experienced yeah. this. And they like don't want to tell people because then the freak that of course. actually experienced this thing. Anyway, so Jane Green experienced it with her gal pal. Um, they saw these lights and thought it was just like an accident. And like as they got closer, they could like hardly brought, drive because it was so bright. So they were like pulled over and there was like multiple other people pulled over in front of them as well. And um, it just looked like this huge floating object in front of them. That's fucked up. And they couldn't see um, kind of where it ended. And it was like super tall, like a couple stories high. But like they couldn't really see where it ended still. And So bright. Yeah, but there was no noise, like no motor noise. It was like super quiet, which was weird. Um, so anyway, after like a few minutes, it like lifts up from the air in a couple different directions and just like disappears over the hill and then what? so she's like well they're like what the fuck was that like you know basically like she didn't say that because she's really sweet and like <laughs> <laughs> but i say that like that's, that's what i was true saying, yeah. that's what she meant that's what she meant but in her take. sweet little old lady way oh dear what yeah. was that and, and it was also what, the was it the 60s yeah homie 69 Oh. <laughs> anyway, so you know, if she goes back, reports it to the director, and they like laugh at her and like say that they must have been drinking, like you know, seeing all the stuff. But then later, like the director gets director gets the same calls from like multiple people, the exact same thing. It's like, oh, like shit, this is probably like real. Yeah, you know. Then this brings me to Tom Warner. Um, this kid was coloring at a family friend's house. Uh, her name was like Debbie, like an older woman or whatever. And after he finished, he walked over to the window and heard a voice say, you need to go home now. And he got like really bad chills. And Mm. then like looked at Debbie and was like, I have to go home. And then like walks outside and starts running full speed. Like he's fucking just giving her to go home. Oh my God. He's running like full speed as if he was flying. And but like. Running in place. The girl saw him. Like the debt, like Debbie, this is the one that was like saying, it was like, saw him running in place. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. As fast as he yes. can. What really. the fuck? And he's That's running, not but like not normal. moving. And he had chills and then literally saw a UFO come down from the sky and the beam hit him. And it was like, as if he was like getting the air sucked out of him, like arms back. And then like, it's like, shut up. Then he disappears. They see him disappear, like, 
And this guy was a character, him. though. Debbie can't find him. Yeah, it's a character. Anyway, Tom sees uh, Meline Keechdorfer. It's a really weird name. Sorry, girl. But anyway, <laughs> this she has sightings later. But he woke up on the ground after and couldn't move. And his brother yelled, run. But, like, he couldn't. And then he heard another voice said, we'll be done in a minute. And then, like, a minute passed and the beam went away. And then everything just disappeared and he could move again. And then, like, yeah, fuck that. And he said it felt like forever. And, like, from the time he went up in the beam and then back down, the lady who watched, it was seven minutes had passed. Seven minutes. He was heaven. gone for seven minutes before he came back down. What seven the minutes fuck? in heaven. Yeah. Like, for real, though. Anyway, this brings me to Alien the- Gods. <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, yeah. Then this brings me to Meline Kirchdorfer. Oh. She was uh, two miles from Tom Warner where hers happened. This uh, bright aura comes down like one evening when they're going out, like they were going to get ice cream or something. But she was the one that was going to go like share a cigarette with her friend. But anyway, like, uh, oh, yeah. Come, yeah. A beam <laughs> comes down and like hit like everyone starts like screaming. And then like they're in the car and then her dad starts chasing the light. Like, why? The kids are like terrified. And then she like remembers like starting to like levitate. What? And then when she like kind of comes to, she like is in this, like, ship and then looks over and sees Tom Warner in this ship. That what? kid that was just, like... Running in place? Yeah. And then <laughs> kids start disappearing out of the ship one by one, and then she disappears and wakes up by the lake, like, a little ways away from her house. All by herself. What the fuck? And then she said, like, she had a connection with Tom Warner, like you would after experiencing something like that. Like, yeah. Almost like it was, like, a brother of hers, you know? And then, like... Um, I've heard of that before. Yeah, super freaky. And then um, there's another one here. It's uh, Tom Reed and Nancy Reed. Tom, Nancy's his mom. Anyway, they were he was, like, riding in a horse show, and it was, like, really late, so they left, and, like, they took this bridge. And Ooh, then, that bridge is creepy, yeah, too. Yeah, they noticed lights, like, rising from the river, and then as they exit the bridge, like, massive light ball hovering over, like, two stories high in, in height. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it started like it was just like and then it fires these like rods of light Thomas's brother saw this like orange orb and then the thing was moving and like turning and then felt like they were underwater like the <laughs> pressure changed but, like Ugh. everyone's out of the car and then they noticed this disc shaped object in the sky go like sideways in like a turtle shell and the disappear fuck Anyway, well, um, like the same fucking area. It's mm. crazy. It's a good episode. It is, yeah. Then this like beam of light comes into the car and then lights it up as if it's daylight, but it's oh nighttime. And all of a sudden, everything. And then everything goes completely silent. Like there's not a sound. And then out of nowhere, all the crickets and frogs and like all the wildlife start going crazy. What the fuck? Yeah, and then this whole entire thing was like three hours long. They experience this whole thing. Holy shit. And then, like, Nancy's mom remembers coming to the, like, when she came to, they were at this gas station, but, like, she was in the passenger seat and her mom was driving, which that's oh, not yeah. what it was like. Oh, yeah. Like, it wasn't was how, because around. her mom it was couldn't like drive. Some people like, placed, placed them there, and they, they were all out of order, and they were like, 
as if they wanted them to like forget what had happened. Or but something. they screwed it up. But they fucked they screwed up because she yeah. was supposed to be driving. Yeah, yeah. And then like all of these are within like miles of one another in so many different towns. Like nobody knows one another, and they experience the exact same thing like same <sighs> what night. The fuck. And, like how are you even supposed to like really talk about it to people like we talked about before? Like nobody's really gonna believe you, you know? Absolutely not. But then like later on, like these Navy pilots reported seeing flying object that was flying at like supersonic fucking speed like rotating around like between the two navy jets they both saw this thing what the fuck and it's like dude if you stare up in the sky long enough you're is about there, to see something is there a video of it yeah I think yeah so yeah it's like you know what i mean i thought we'd go out there and look up yeah. in the 69. Yeah. Look it's weird. The There's so much alien shit boom. in the 60s. I like, feel like because the aliens came and saw us and we're like, fuck this. Yeah, it's like, I'm done with this. I don't want <laughs> These any people of this. suck. Okay, bye. No. We're, or it's like my story when we did aliens. The government. And fucking, no, the, the fucking aliens are coming down and they bred with us and now they're yeah. gone because they're breeding with us. Right? Oh my God, breeding you. Or that. Or all of it. Oh. Anyway, yeah, that's mine for olive, that episode. Olives. Yeah. Olives. 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 <sighs> yeah, that episode was crazy. Yeah. That, you did a good job covering that. Good Thanks, job. my homie. So I did uh, House of Terror. Guys, these are like all my favorite episodes. Yeah, this we, is like, crazy. didn't talk about which ones we were going to do really, but we all picked the best. Um, I didn't realize I, so I didn't watch the series. I haven't watched the series. I just had watched the first episode. I didn't realize before I, like I, I read all the synopsis for all of the different episodes and I chose the one that sounded like the best to me. I didn't realize that the episode was in French. <laughs> um, right. so you have to like, <laughs> so you have to read the whole, so I was you trying to take notes. TV with subtitles anyway. Oh, I always do, yeah. Though. But you have to take notes while you're reading too. So it yeah. took me a lot yeah. longer. And my notes are um I took a lot of notes because I think because I was trying to like translate it in my brain at the same time, like read it and figure it mm-hmm. out. And also so it's kind of long, but Oh that I like long. I'm into it. Um uh, so I don't know how to say this. I it's like Nantes. Nantes. Yeah. Nantes. That's Italian. I forgot how they said, but I said it like three times after they said it. And I was like, oh, that'll all be good. I completely forget how it said. That's anyway, right. it's like this. I don't know either. This big French city that's. I watched it too. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's this big French city that's um, full of culture, uh, super rich with culture. And um, within the small city, there's this super peaceful, religious, upper middle class neighborhood which is where the story takes place. Um, it happens to this aristocratic family of nobles, which is, but they were apparently a super normal family. Um, like, yeah, I, I watched and had to Google what aristocratic. I think it's just I like a really know. high. I was like, what does that even mean? It's like really, it's a really high class person. Right. Yeah. Like they're noble people. They're like up in up in society. If like you're talking about old times, but it's twenty twenty. They're yeah. (laughs) Well it was two thousand and something. Two thousand and eleven? Yeah. Two thousand and eleven. Yeah. Don't 
call me at 10 o'clock at night, Brent. What the fuck? Sorry. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Do you want to go to one? I'm going to chill for sex. I'm like super drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I have a token. So there's like these two ladies that are telling the story and and one guy that is a friend of the guy. But one of the ladies describes the story as an enigma that perplexes people. And I thought oh, that was such a wow. good. That's such a good sentence. That I was is. Like, Damn, an enigma that perplexes people. Like, oh my God, those are words. I just word choices. Say. Like, hmm. Word, anyway. Yeah, word choice is like jerk off hands. <laughs> <laughs> word porn. Just like it. <laughs> anyway, so this golden family, they call it golden family, consists of the father, who's a businessman. His name is Count Xavier Dunport de Ligones, oh and the mother is Agnes. She worked in a Catholic church. There's Arthur, who's 20, who goes to college. Thomas, who's 18, he's shy. And he likes music, and he's studying music. Anne, who's 16, and she models for mail-order catalogs, which I thought was so cool. Like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. That's very interesting. That is interesting. And Benoit, and he likes to play the drums and super loud, apparently. Mm. So now that we're all caught up. <laughs> now that we're caught, all caught up, yes. So on April 13th, um, the neighbor knew that there was something wrong because the shutters of this house were closed and they were never closed. She said, even when they went on vacation, mm-hmm. the shutters were open. So to see the shutters closed, like she knew something. Was wrong. Wrong. She was like, there's an error in that house that is wrong. Like we got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And there was a note left on the door that said for, for the post people to stop leaving mail, which is weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's like, why would you not want your mail? It's just weird. Yeah, like, it, I feel like they made it try and seem like they were going away. Yeah. yeah. Um, April I guess. 13th. Moving or something. Yeah. Um, she called the police who went over to do because they it had been two days and they hadn't returned. So she called the police to do a check. Um, everything that they came and they did a check and everything seemed normal inside the house. Some of the sheets were mo- removed from some of the beds, but it seemed otherwise like they had left normally yeah, like to their own home. will. Um, and all the cars were gone or were still there except for one car that was missing. But all six people plus two dogs couldn't have fit in one car. So yeah. it doesn't make sense that only one car was gone if they were all gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that seems super suspicious. And. Then a couple days later, well, around the same time, like between the 11th and the 13th, family got the dogs. Yeah, uh, family and friends started receiving these letters that were apparently written by Xavier and Agnes, stating that Xavier had been recruited by Americans to spy for the DEA and that they had left, wouldn't be reachable at all, and were changing their identities so they wouldn't be able to contact them mm-hmm. for like. A really long time. But their friends say they also weren't the type to lie. So when they read it, they were like, okay, like that's probably like they wouldn't lie. So, I mean, it doesn't make sense, but, um, but friends and family, like, even though they didn't lie and they're like, this probably is true. They also are super suspicious or like, they're like this, there's a lot of holes in this evidence. Like, I don't understand 
Like they're not the type. They're not the type to lie, but they're also not the type to just like take their family and leave, leave without yeah. saying goodbye. Yeah, and like send this mysterious letter. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. So on April fifteenth, the police went to the house to do more a more thorough inspection, and the photos from the frames on the wall were gone, but the frames were put back. Which I think is creepy. super weird. Like that's freaking. Ew! I don't like that at all. It gives me like goosebumps. Yeah, I like you, that. why would you put them back? You would just take them was down, that, right? Was it like that the first time they went? Did, did, did whoever it was go back? No, and, they, it was like that the first time. I think they just they like didn't, didn't notice. Notice, yeah. or like they were just like the first check. They didn't really think anything was wrong, but they did also. So I don't know. It's weird. So they they thought it was weird. The police. That the family hadn't returned. So they went back and did an inspection on the 19th, the 20th, and the 21st. And on the 21st, they found something suspicious under the terrace. It just so happened at the same time that they were finding this evidence, the district attorney was holding a press conference saying how it was weird that this family, like, of nobles had just gone missing. Yeah. Like, nobody believed... it yeah, just doesn't make bail sense. Yeah. yeah, so they were, like, Without holding... Telling, nobody, one nobody knows. Yeah, that's, nobody yeah. knows. So they're holding a press conference, and during the press conference, the attorney, district attorney, gets a phone call. He takes a phone call, and he comes back, and he's like, I'm so sorry, but we're going to have to put this on hold, like, come back to it later. And this is because the calls from the police who had found bodies buried under the terrace. So all the bodies were wrapped up in the missing blankets from the house inside, mm-hmm. and they were... Um, and they were put in trash bags with a bunch of religious paraphernalia, which made police think, like, oh, um, this is probably somebody who knows them, is close to them, because it's like a religious burial, even though it's clearly like a mass murder. Yeah. Um, but there's two graves one that had the mother and the three children and the dogs, and the other grave was Thomas, who was the second oldest child. But there was one person missing, and that was the father, Xavier. So, of course, he became the main suspect in an international search, was put out to find his body. Um, So, interestingly, the bodies that were found under the terrace, which is so low to the ground, Xavier had been known for having, like, excruciating back pain that actually prevented him from bending. So, technically, it would have been almost physically impossible for him to have put the bodies underneath the terrace. Yeah. I oh feel like I don't believe that. I mean, I believe yeah. that he had back pain, but I believe that if you had done something so horrific that you would power through your back pain to yeah, to get through that and get away. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I agree. Um, adrenaline can do crazy stuff. Exactly. Adrenaline. Um, but Agnes, the mother, had a sleep apnea machine, and it stopped suddenly at 3 a.m. on the night of her murder. So they believe she was the first one. Each victim was shot with two gunshot wounds to the head, but none of the neighbors had been awakened by shots, and there was no blood anywhere in the house, which is crazy because you kill five people. That's a lot there's of blood. There's going to be blood. Dogs. Yeah, like there's going to be blood. Like how did you yeah, how, how did you do that with a one trace of yeah. evidence? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all. So Xavier is describing And in that amount of time. I mean, like I know it was a lot of days, but like – yeah, but it doesn't it still doesn't make sense. Like he apparently killed them on the April 3rd and 4th and she started calling the police on April 11th. 
So it was like 10 days. Like, and they, the police first made their first visit on the 13th. So the That's sign showed up on the 11th. Yeah, dude. But usually so they over still a week. see all the bleach and stuff, right? Yeah, but there was no bleach. Like, That's there's crazy. nothing. So he was described as a person who loved his family and friends with all of his heart. Someone who was present, caring, who knew the pain of others and truly felt it and was there for them. Like one of his friends like broke his neck and the guy was like, I like, you know, like would was there immediately and was like trying to make him feel better and all this stuff. So his friends and family find it inconceivable that he would be able to do something like that. It just wasn't him. And also by killing his children, he was also killing off his lineage which is something that, like, an aristocratic, uh, aristocratic noble would never <laughs> do. But for, like, ten years, it had been a downward spiral of, like, these failures and disappointing. Like, they had tried to move to America, and they lost a ton of money doing it. It hadn't worked, and they, like, settled back in France. And his company was, like, thought to be successful, but actually wasn't yeah. successful. And his father died in January of that year, and Xavier had obtained a gun while cleaning out his father's apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd been looking for like any money that was left over mm-hmm. and a ring, but there was nothing left. Like his, his father died actually really sad and lonely because they were, they lived in this, he lived in a small rented apartment, which was not like a noble thing or like, like he had a bunch of money and he lost it all. And he was like sad yeah. and lonely. So, yeah. um, but the one thing that he kept out of the apartment was the gun, which is crazy. And f- so he found the gun in January. He got his license, firearms license in February, and he bought a silencer in March. Yeah. They were all shot, right? Yeah, twice. Yeah, yeah. twice. And nobody yeah. around heard, heard anything. Like anything. Well, he's got a silencer. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. So. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> So the massacre with all the family members happened on the Sunday night to Monday morning, so April 3rd to 4th. And Thomas, who was in his grave by himself, had been away at school. So he had killed what – well, they presume that he had killed, like, the mother and the – Definitely. It's not unsolved. It's solved. Yeah. <laughs> and at he, first it was unsolved. Yeah. Yeah. So he had, like, he had killed the mother and the three children – and then there are actually texts from from Thomas from Thomas's father Xavier to Thomas saying that he needs to come home because his mother is in a coma from a biking accident and they're so not sure up. that he she's going to make it. So he comes back home Tuesday night and he's last heard from at like midnight that night so they believe that he like drugged him and then he shot him. And friends speculate that possibly Xavier hesitated to kill him because technically he was the oldest son and he would be the heir to the nobility because there was a son that was older than him. But, like, Xavier had went to travel a lot when he was younger. And he, while he was away, like, him and Agnes were broken up and she got pregnant by this other dude, but they married anyway. So he, like, raised this guy's guy's son and, like, named him Arthur whatever, the third, like, noble whatever, and just accepted him as son. But technically, Thomas was yeah, the actual, actual heir. son. So they thought maybe that was what happened. Hey, so they had a harder time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But on um, April 11th, Xavier left Nantes. I don't know how you say it. How do you say it? Nantes. 
Nantes. Nantes. Nantes. Anyway, his car was booked for speeding. First. Nantes. Nantes. That's Italian. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. Nantes. I don't know. Anyway, his car was booked for by speeding cameras. His credit card was stamped at a restaurant and then at a hotel in La Rochelle. He wasn't hiding. He was using his bank machines, restaurants. Like he didn't care. He was on the run. He's not running fast. So he's, he's casually. Yeah, yeah, like he knows it's April 11th. Like she hasn't even I called the police feel like yet. A piece of him wanted to get caught. Like he took his time. Yeah, and made it very obvious that he was the one who did that. Yeah, yeah. like very obvious. So police speculate that he's going to commit suicide because 98% of, like, these cases where somebody kills their entire family, they immediately commit suicide or later they commit suicide. So they're like, well, he's like, so he's, like, nonchalantly driving down the coast of France, like, going around the corner. He's, like, on a road trip. Just on a road trip. Like, he's stopping when he wants to. He goes to restaurants. Like, he's not putting in the mileage. Like, he's just hanging out, having a good time. Um. So, and, like, on camera, they can see this. Like, he's not hiding what he's doing. So, they speculate that he's, like, knows that it's going to be a while for them to even give him as a suspect. So, he's taking his time. He's having a good time. And he's leaving a trace. And then he's going to go somewhere and commit suicide. So, he goes to La Rochelle, which he, like, knows really well because he lived there. And he stops at um, a hotel and on camera, you can see him. He leaves the car and walks into the mountain with a gun that's presumably oh, yeah. presumably holding the rifle that he used to kill his family. Yeah, but he just like, like a yeah, fucking right. tux bag or something. Yeah, it's just, it's yeah, something just like in a, a fucking bag. You can tell that it's a fucking bag. gun. Like, yeah. And he looks into the camera as if to say, look, see yeah. you later. See ya. Bye. Like, see ya never. Yeah. Man, he just... He got away with that so hard. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. Because they found his car on April 22nd. This happens on like the 13th or something that he fucking left it there. So it's already been like nine days. They find his car in a parking lot. Yeah, Yeah, they find his car in a parking lot. Nobody. They search every nook and cranny of that fucking mountain. Like nobody ever. And he just escaped. People think he's probably in Latin America because he's and because he looks so physically normal. No, I know he doesn't stand That's out. So scary. There's he's no, like you would see yeah. him in everyone, and you would see him in no one because his features are so there's normal. Like yeah. there's nothing about him that stands out. So no, people yeah, are like he's living his best life in, in with a beard in Argentina. Like he can literally look like anybody he wants to look like. Yeah. Like yeah, his seriously. face is just not. Yeah, that was crazy. So yeah, that episode's crazy. Mm. Told that really well. You did. We all did a good job with that. Yeah, we you were all like better we than all me. Suck. No, yours is great, it's buddy. Great. Yeah, I really like the show. Like, I think they did a great job with it, and I like really like the advertisements myself. At the I end. really like just... how all the tips have been called in too. Oh, true. Yeah, like a lot of them have actually. Yeah, it's really interesting. I wonder if anything. I hope, has I hope been... some of them have been solved. Yeah. We should have looked into that. Maybe by the time this episode any releases. 20, we're <laughs> idiots, yes. <laughs> I don't any know what month it is for you guys, yeah, but it's no I don't, no, I don't even know what year it is right now, yeah. <laughs> Fuck. 
Um, yeah, so thanks for listening, you guys. Um, this has been a blast. It's been great. I'm like ready for bed. <laughs> bed? No. I gotta put, I gotta clean up. Okay. <laughs> thanks, okay, I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Music by Theo McIntosh.